So a friend of ours recommended that Rebecca and I do a podcast together, maybe a longer term thing. We'll see how we go. Um, but Beck, of course, is tremendously busy being, you know, having two jobs and sick kids and all those kinds of stuff. So instead of doing a podcast where we sit quietly in a room and have a conversation, we're going to do a podcast. I'll call it for now Cooking with Beck. Um, where we're going to be. That would be a different podcast, Joseph, Cooking with Beck. I don't think that would be what the yeah, that, conversation that we're going to be addressing today. N- nothing at all to do with, you know, cooking, uh, except for the fact that Rebecca is making Shabbat dinner, and this is a good chance for us to uh, to chat in a way that can be shared with other people. And there will be background noise and all this kind of fun stuff, and there's one mic, so we have to move the mic back and forth in order to communicate. So uh, Rebecca's reluctant um, to uh, to do this podcast. Um, she's not such a public speaker type of person. Um, any, any thoughts on that here? I guess the last time I spoke in public, I ended up crying. But that was at our son's bar mitzvah, so, you know, emotional. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not it's not my forte. Yeah, so hopefully she won't end up crying today. Um, if that happens, then we've done something terribly wrong. Um, so right now, Beck is making Shabbat dinner. What are you making for Shabbat dinner? So many things. Purple chicken soup is one of them, because I decided that putting purple carrots into the chicken soup would be a good idea. Or at least one of our sons decided it would be a good idea. But I'm worried that one of our guests who's very fussy will then not partake of the chicken soup because it's purple. But, oh well. <laughs> I'm sure it will taste just as good as it normally does. We don't make special meals for children anyway. Exactly, so, you know. that's right. Um, and just the standard chicken potatoes, brisket, kugel, roast vegetables. Oh, banana cake's done. Chocolate chip cookies. Uh, one of our daughters, Yira, is here as well. She's trying very hard not to make too much noise, um, but she was uh, she was definitely freaked out by the the dead chicken doing its dead chicken dance. Oh, he was dancing. I mean, every chicken's entitled to a dance or two. So that covers the uh, the basics of what we're up to, um, and I'm hoping the sound quality will come out okay because I'll have to balance it and adopt it afterwards. Um, so so we actually had a reasonably interesting week. Um, and one that ties very nicely into uh, a Devar Torah concept. Um, there's this whole question this week in Bechukotai, uh, why the valuations of different people are different amounts. Why is a woman worth less, it seems, than a man um, when you have this valuation concept going on? Um, and uh, and I, I think I have an answer based on automotive uh, uh, experience from this week. I was driving my kid to a Baritzvah, and I took the wrong way because I followed ways and didn't bother to see if there was an on-road way. And our little I-20 got stuck in the mud in Ben Shimon Forest. And my son kept saying, don't do this, you're going to get stuck. Don't do this, you're going to get... And I ignored him, and I got stuck. Um, and uh, thankfully, the car is totally undamaged. But I have a question for Beck. Beck, in that situation, uh, would you have kept going? I would not have gone that way at all I would have found an alternate route and who ended up cleaning the car this morning hmm wasn't you <laughs> so we have a superiority issue here um, uh, as opposed to a superiority complex issue which is the other way around so the uh, <laughs> so the uh, the the reason this is relevant to the to the Parsha is because uh, we have all these curses that occur and the Jewish people come back to Eretz Israel and why do they come back to Eretz Israel they come back because they've circumcised their hearts in some way, they've limited their fundamental desires, uh, cut themselves back, uh, and understood that they're, they're supposed to be channeling a Kaddish Baruch uh, And so the, the, the valuations of souls, where you're, you're dedicating your soul to Hashem, is in this context. Uh, in order to accomplish this, 
Well, you give a, an amount of money and you can effectively, uh, symbolically circumcise your soul. Um, and people like me who like to drive in the mud because we think we can do it even though we can't um, uh, take more money than people like Beck who have a little bit more common sense and awareness of their um, actual superiority. <laughs> Thoughts, dear? Agreed. Females have more common sense. <clears throat> the Torah is teaching us a good lesson here, which is quite obvious. <laughs> so we have, uh, then we have uh, in Parsha Bamidbar, which we think it was this big gap, but we have another situation where we have money for people uh, um, having their uh, themselves counted and atoned for. Um, but this counting is really for military purposes. People are about to go off to the army, and in this case only fighting age people are counted. Um, and it takes a, a whole unit of them, a hundred, a gal of them, uh, in order to have enough money to accomplish one soul before. Because when you're going off to war, you're much more worried and concerned, but you still feel like to some degree it's in your hands. Uh, and so you, you have to pay some amount of money to understand, um, uh, to, to, to dedicate yourself to Hashem and realize how little control you have in that situation. But for the people who are staying behind, the elderly, the young, and the women, uh, the, there's no payment needed because they recognize that it's not in their hands uh, at all. Uh, and so there's no sort of atonement necessary. The fact that the, the, the men are going off to war is worrisome enough all by itself. So that was a, that was a concept for Devar Torah um, that I thought tied nicely into getting the car stuck. Beck, any other topics you want to throw in here for fun? Putting her on the spot. She's making a horrible face, saying, what am I doing here? Why are we doing this? <laughs> Is it sacrilegious to put Petit Syrah 2021 on a brisket? I think it might be. Okay, she might have been a little too. She might have been a little bit too far away for that to be heard. But but petit sirah on a brisket uh, is the question. Is it sacrilegious? So you go ahead and email me. Let me know if it's sacrilegious to do that because it's the only red wine that she has. Um, so that is a very decent and good question to head into Shabbat with. Um, what else happened in the world this week that was of note? Oh, news in this week. Many things. Our coalition has crumbled. <laughs> Beck's got a lot of thoughts about the coalition. She's been listening to Times of Israel too much. Um, the, uh, I don't think there's too much. I've been listening to the Times of Israel. Just. <laughs> so Rebecca and I are both of the opinion that having a coalition enables you to bring more kinds of people into a government um, and enables you to have a society where being Israeli means more than being Jewish, more than being Dati, more than being Chiloni, whatever it happens to be. It enables you to bring everyone together. Um, and actually, we went to a wedding, which was a, a pretty good illustration of lots of different kinds of people. Um, it was a wedding. It was a Jewish wedding. But uh, but we had all sorts of uh, variety. You know, you had people smoking. You had the, uh, the uh, very um, loud, almost mosque call to prayer style call to the wedding, to the chuppah. Um, and there were and Svaradim and Temanim and Ethiopians um, and all sorts of different cultures all mixed together. The Russians were the, for the wedding next door, though. Yeah. Yeah, when we walked past the door to the other wedding, the guy greeted us in Russian. And we're like, yeah, probably not our stop. Uh, <laughs> so you end up in Israel with this this vast variety of people who are uh, who are being melted together. Um, and the way I, I've seen it is, is when the people come here, they are the places they came from. They represent, you know, they're, they're fundamentally Indian or whatever it happens to be with a very strong echo of being Jewish that unites and that brings everyone together. But as time passes, generations pass, you're going to end up with people being Jewish with just an echo of the places they came from. 
Um, and as we intermarry with each other, these different cultures and these different groups, we end up with um, we end up with the the the. <laughs> Becky is making space for chicken using aluminum foil uh, in the background, which is <laughs> which is a great sound. So we end up with the. Uh, maybe, maybe we should have a segment. Guess that sound. <laughs> We we end up with the guess that cooking sound indeed. We end up with the um, uh, the the people people intermarrying with each other and the the echoes of the cultures kind of being melded together. Um, and we're going through that process now, and it's going to be very interesting and kind of strange to see what develops at the end uh, as as the different cultures of Israel come together. But in terms of a coalition government. Um, both of us feel that it's very helpful to have that. But both of us don't feel like Medinat Israel, the state of Israel, being Jewish, is, is critical as a lot of other people do. What do you think here? Well, I think it should be the homeland for Jews and the place that Jews are able to come to no matter what. Um, and that I do believe that the, ma- I mean, the majority of citizens are and I hope will continue to be Jewish. But I don't think... Either of us believe that Torah law should definitely necessarily be the law of the land. Um, people should be able to ride the bus on Saturday if they want to ride the bus on Saturday. So. Yeah, so we don't necessarily fit the, uh, the standards of Tilumi perspective. But at the same time, if you're going to have a Medina where Jews and everybody else are safe, then ideally you want to have one where... Uh, where people can have, we're getting a brisket out, just give it a second here. We, ideally, you're going to have one. No multitasking possible. No multitasking possible. Yes, yeah, so ideally, we're going to want to have one uh, state where uh, where um, Jews can be safe, Jews can be protected, um, it can be a place where we can run to, um, but, but one where uh, a variety of people can be represented in the state um, and feel like they're a part of the state and actually be a part of the state. And feel at home as well, and feel like they're their home. Yeah, that they're not just you know, like we have been called foreigners in a foreign land. That they're at home too, but it's still majority Jewish state with with those values. Okay, so uh, so yeah, we we one one concept for this is uh, is an is an ancient legal concept where law travels with the person rather than with the. Um, the geography. So if you're a Frank uh, and you're in Goth lands, Frankish law still rules you unless you have interactions with Goths where, you know, they have different arrangements that are set up. And it ends up being more complex, but it represents a different possibility and approach to law. And actually, people are doing it now. Canada just announced that Canadian citizens are going to be in a Canadian law when they're in outer space. Uh, which is kind of interesting um, because, of course, Americans will put Americans under American law when they're in outer space. What happens if you have a community of Americans and some crime is committed between them? U.S. law applies even if they're on the moon. And Canadian law will apply to Canadians if they're on the moon. And then you have an arrangement and a deal for what happens when those communities interact with each other. I think that we're looking at that extraterrestrially because it's, it's more complex in a lot of ways. But it could be something that could work here. Right? We already have a very complex reality. Well, you know, if you can have people who are Haredi have Haredi law when they're interacting with each other, and Muslims have Muslim law, and etc., you can have a variety of different groups. Uh, and then when, you, uh, when they interact with each other, then you have state law uh, that's agreed upon that applies in order to adjudicate those cross-group uh, issues. And, of course, you have to be able to have people uh, leave groups um, if they if they feel like they don't want to be a part of that legal system anymore, but uh, but that might be the kind of situation which would um, 
resolve some of the tensions because people do have very different cultures and very different values. Uh, it's not like we have one monoculture and one society with one set of rules. It's just not the reality here, and and pushing for it doesn't doesn't make it happen. But then the problem comes into play: who then funds those different sets of rules and those those institutions that? you know, endorse the rules. So then that, that there's another layer of complexity that you're building into a system which is already so complex. Yeah, you end up with uh, taxation being part of that legal system. And it is, yeah, it, it would be, um, it would be a, an odd shift, but I think it'd be something that'd be fun to explore um, and see you know, whether or not I think it could be done with it. Okay, well, we've given this a try. I gotta go pick up kids, we've run out of time. Um, so uh, any final thoughts, dear? Shabbat shalom to everyone who's listening. Maybe no one, but we'll figure out. Uh, Shabbat shalom, and uh, yeah, have fun. Bye.